Hey, you found us. Welcome, everybody. This is Scripture Gems. Hello, and welcome to the show. My name is John Fulmer, and this is my brother, Jay. How's it going, John? We are two brothers who just can't get enough of the scriptures. Yeah, we love them. This episode, we are going over the Come Follow Me lesson for December 14th through 20th, 2020, covering Moroni chapter 10. And now let's bring out the star of the show, the scriptures. Wow. Now that you're here, it's time to get the show started. Indeed. And now let's consult the Scripturematic 6000 to find out how long it will take to read this week's reading. Seven minutes, 41 seconds. What would that be daily? That would be one minute, six seconds. Holy cow. You've only got one chapter to go through. Let's finish out the year well. Yeah. Make sure that you read this. So time codes are actually irrelevant for this show because we do time codes <laughs> by chapter and there's just one chapter. Wow, what a journey we have had so far this year through one of the most important books in the world. Remember Joseph Smith's words that the Book of Mormon is the keystone of our religion. As we finish up this last episode, we hope that you will reflect on how your testimony has grown this year of study. Whether you are making it through the Book of Mormon or most of the Book of Mormon for the first time, or whether you've gone through the Book of Mormon lots of times. What's been different for you this year? And how has your testimony grown? And so let's get to it. This is the last chapter of the Book of Mormon, Moroni chapter 10. These are Moroni's last words to us. So let's start it in verse 1. And now I, Moroni, write somewhat as seemeth me good, and I write unto my brethren the Lamanites, and I would that they should know that more than 420 years have passed away since the sign was given of the coming of Christ. Well, look at the time frame. That's about 36 years since the final battle. If we look back at Mormon chapter 6, verse 5. So 36 years. I'm curious as to what Moroni was doing between the final battle and now the time that he's burying the plates. 36 years is kind of a lifetime. It really is. And we know what he's been doing for some of that, but that certainly couldn't have occupied the whole 36 years. Yeah, it's a long time. So obviously there's a whole story there that we don't know, but it's interesting to think about. Verse 2, And I seal up these records after I have spoken a few words by way of exhortation unto you. So to exhort, and this is an important word going forward, means to strongly encourage or to urge someone. So he really wants us to pay attention to what he's about to say. And it should be interesting that this is different from, say, coercion. In other words, Moroni isn't forcing us to do something. He's strongly encouraging us to do something. All right, which is what the Lord often does. He invites and entices. But this is with a sense of urgency as to the importance of what he's about to say. And this exhortation is one of the most important to me personally in all of Scripture. Verse 3, Behold, I would exhort you that when ye shall read these things, if it be wisdom in God that ye should read them, that ye would remember how merciful the Lord hath been unto the children of men, from the creation of Adam, even down until the time that ye shall receive these things and ponder it in your hearts. From the Institute Manual, 
There's a quote from Elder Gene R. Cook that I wanted to include about this particular verse. He says, quote, The last five words of Moroni 10, verse 3, offer an important admonition. Ponder it in your hearts. What is the antecedent of it, the thing that we are to ponder? It is how merciful the Lord hath been unto the children of men from the creation of Adam even down until the time ye shall receive these things. We are to remember how loving, how provident, how good, how forgiving our Heavenly Father has been toward us. What usually happens when we begin to ponder how merciful the Lord has been to mankind? To us personally, what happens when we count our blessings or perhaps our sins for which we must ask his forgiveness and recognize his hand in our individual lives? Is it not true that our hearts turn to the Lord in love and gratitude? Do our faith and humility increase? Yes, and that, in my judgment, is the impact of verse 3. Following the counsel therein helps us become more humble, more willing, and ready to receive new information and knowledge with an open mind, end quote. This, by the way, was an Enzyme article in April 1994 called Moroni's Promise. Excellent. But going on to verse 4, And when ye shall receive these things, I would exhort you that you would ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true, and if ye shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, ye may know the truth of all things. That's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, mm. verse 5. Yeah. As a matter of fact, if you compare Moroni 10, verse 5, and you add James chapter 1, verse 5, those two verses in Scripture, I think, completely sum up what makes us different from every other faith. It's yeah. really very important. And so personal. Speaking of personal, these verses are so important to me, and I thought I would share with you why in my personal experience. Growing up, I've always wanted to have a relationship with the scriptures, but I found reading very difficult. I found writing very difficult, and I enjoyed seminary and strive to read the scriptures. But it wasn't really until my freshman year of college when I really felt like I anchored my own testimony, and it was reading the Book of Mormon. I knew I wanted to go on a mission after a year of college, and I felt like I really needed to make sure that my testimony was my own. And so I gave myself a challenge to read the Book of Mormon that freshman year. Now, for many of you, you may think, well, that's not much of a challenge, but I need you to understand that this was going to be a landmark achievement for me. And so I put in the time and I put in the effort and I didn't always under, as a matter of fact, I frequently didn't understand what I was reading, but I kept going and I had spiritual experiences along the way. And I'd had spiritual experiences in my life too. But when I got to this last chapter and when I read those words, maybe I had heard them before, but at the time I don't ever remember hearing those verses. And so to me, it came across as Moroni or God through Moroni speaking directly 
to me. Those words that we just read. And the Spirit touched my heart and told me that I should kneel down and pray. But I was so filled with the Holy Ghost at the time that I actually, I remember in my mind saying, oh, Holy Ghost, I don't need to kneel down and pray. I can feel that it's true. And the Holy Ghost would say, no, no, you should kneel. This actually frequently happens with me. I have these little debates unintentional. I don't mean to be rebellious, but the Holy Ghost usually has to tell me things multiple times. And here we were again. Now, I'm a freshman in my dorm room at the college in Wisconsin, and I have a roommate from Malaysia who already thinks I'm a little bit weird as an American. And I was a little bit worried about him walking in on me. But again, the Spirit said, no, you've got to kneel down. So after a couple more times of encouragement, I finally knelt down and prayed and asked that very question if the Book of Mormon was, in fact, the Word of God. And the response that I got was so overwhelming, I couldn't stop crying. You know, I was so, again, worried if my roommate came in, what he would think. But it was one of those temple moments that I have so few of those ever in my life. And yet, here it was. And this became a spiritual monument that when I've struggled or questioned or been challenged— in other areas of my life, I could say, well, I may not know this, but I could look back to that anchoring experience and say, but I cannot deny this. I cannot deny the experience that I had. And I don't share that with the thought that everybody's had those same experiences, but I wanted to share that because it was my experience. That was really where I lock my conversion. Now, again, Lots of experiences leading up to that, including that year in the scriptures. But that, to me, was really important. But I also know that isn't everybody's experience, and that the Lord will speak to each one of us in the way and at the time that we need that will help us to move forward. That's true. And I wanted to mention to you as well that I, too, know that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God and is what it purports to be. But why do I tell you this? Why does Jay tell you his experience? Is it because we're hoping to convince you intellectually? Is it because we're hoping that you'll think, wow, those guys really seem like they know what they're talking about. It must be true. No, we're sharing this with you because we want the Holy Spirit to bear witness of its truth to you. And we're hoping that the Spirit will motivate you, just like it motivated Jay, to read, ponder, and pray so that you will know of yourself. It doesn't matter what we tell you. It really matters what the Holy Spirit tells you. And that's what this is all about. But to go along with Jay's statement that not everyone's experience is the same, there's a quote in the Institute Manual from President Boyd K. Packer. This is from April 2005 General Conference. He tells us, quote, When I first read the Book of Mormon from cover to cover, I read the promise that if I would ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things I had read were true, and if I would ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, Having faith in Christ, he would manifest the truth of it unto me by the power of the Holy Ghost. I tried to follow those instructions as I understood them. If I expected a glorious manifestation to come at once as an overpowering experience, it did not happen. Nevertheless, it felt good. 
and I began to believe. I learned that anyone, anywhere, could read in the Book of Mormon and receive inspiration. My experience has been that a testimony does not burst upon us suddenly. Rather, it grows. Do not be disappointed if you have read and reread and yet have not received a powerful witness. You may be somewhat like the disciples spoken of in the Book of Mormon, who were filled with the power of God and great glory, and they knew it not. Do the best you can. End quote. Yeah, I know plenty of people, some very close to me, who have experiences more like what President Packer is describing. And I know some that have spectacular experiences. The Lord will work with us as he will work with us. Don't compare your experiences to others. Just compare what the Lord expects of you and how he speaks to you and how he helps you to understand truth. Now, I want to just mention one other thought on the importance of intent. We're supposed to ask with real intent. So perhaps I could illustrate this idea of the importance of intent with a story. Now, I've shared this before in this year, but I think maybe it would be really useful right here as well, and I'll share just a quick version of it. As a young missionary, I was working with a family, and the mother had been a member but hadn't been active in a long time, and she wanted to, along with her family, read in the Book of Mormon and pray to know that it was true. And every week when we came back, she expressed that she did not have, you know, any kind of spiritual manifestation. We talked about maybe she doesn't recognize it, maybe it's happening, but she doesn't know, or maybe something about the way she's praying or the way she's asking. You know, week after week, we talked to her about it, and it wasn't until some weeks after, and as a young missionary, I was feeling very puzzled because I thought this was supposed to work. And finally, I felt prompted to ask her if she got an answer that these things were true, would she come back to church and keep the commandments? And her response was, oh, no, no, I'm just curious. So real intent means that we don't just want to know because we're curious. We want to know because we are willing to change our lives as a result of what we know. And that's expected. So as you think about your testimony and what the Lord has shared with you in quiet ways or not so quiet ways. What are you prepared to do with that information? What kinds of things have you done? What does the Lord expect you to do today to act on the testimony that you have? It's just a good question to ask ourselves because it is a gift. It is a spiritual gift. And for those who might be frustrated with the notion that you can't just fulfill an idle curiosity with the Spirit. Think about the mercy that our Father in Heaven is giving you. If you receive knowledge, but you have no intention to act on it, isn't that a more terrible situation for you? If yeah. there's something that you know, but you've rejected, that's one of the things that's a great mercy from our Heavenly Father. He will give us the knowledge, but only if we plan to use it, if we plan to act on it. Yeah, because with those blessings comes accountability. Exactly. Let's take a look at some other spiritual gifts, and I love that he continues this conversation. Sometimes we stop right at verse 5, but let's keep the discussion going about the importance of gifts of the Spirit. Let's go on to verse 6. And whatsoever thing is good... 
is just and true. Wherefore, nothing that is good denieth the Christ, but acknowledgeth that he is. And ye may know that he is by the power of the Holy Ghost. Wherefore, I would exhort you that ye deny not the power of God, for he worketh by power according to the faith of the children of men, the same today and tomorrow and forever. And again, I exhort you. Are you noticing the exhortations? He continues, my brethren, that ye deny not the gifts of God, for they are many and they come from the same God. And there are different ways that these gifts are administered, but it is the same God who worketh all in all. And they are given by the manifestations of the Spirit of God unto men to profit them. I think that's really important to remember that these are gifts for the benefit of mankind, to bless us and others. Now, coming up then in verses 9 through 16, he enumerates some of these gifts. This is a sample. What's interesting is that this list of spiritual gifts appears in the Bible and in the Doctrine and Covenants. I love that it was given to the people in the old world, the people in the new world, and the people in our more modern time so that we would know about these gifts. The interesting thing about the Book of Mormon's list is that it clarifies and expands the list that we have in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. And in the Doctrine and Covenants, you can see that list in 46, verses 13 through 26. So if you were to look through, we would see gifts such as a spiritual gift to teach the word of wisdom, verse 9, to teach the word of knowledge, verse 10. And in verse 11, exceedingly great faith, that's a spiritual gift. Healing is a spiritual gift. Working mighty miracles, verse 12, a spiritual gift. Prophesying concerning all things, in verse 13. Beholding the angels and ministering spirits, verse 14. You maybe know people that have this gift. I have never had that gift. All kinds of tongues, verse 15. Interpretation of tongues, verse 16. So as you think about these gifts, you may look at them and say, well, all right, I don't have any of these gifts. But there's a wonderful quote from Elder Marvin J. Ashton about that topic. There is. We find it in the Institute Manual, but I think it's located other places as well. There's a notion sometimes that if we look at 1 Corinthians or Doctrine and Covenants 46 or Moroni 10 here, that this is somehow supposed to be a comprehensive list of the gifts of the Spirit. But as we've talked about, and as Elder Ashton is going to remind us, it isn't. The quote is from General Conference, October 1987. He says, quote, Taken at random, let me mention a few gifts that are not always evident or noteworthy, but that are very important. Among these may be your gifts. Gifts not so evident, but nevertheless real and valuable. Let us review some of these less conspicuous gifts. The gift of asking. The gift of listening. The gift of hearing and using a still small voice. The gift of being able to weep. The gift of avoiding contention. The gift of being agreeable. The gift of avoiding vain repetition. The gift of seeking that which is righteous, the gift of not passing judgment, 
the gift of looking to God for guidance, the gift of being a disciple, the gift of caring for others, the gift of being able to ponder, the gift of offering prayer, the gift of bearing a mighty testimony, the gift of receiving the Holy Ghost, end quote. I think what's interesting about that list is that I personally am looking through it and saying, yeah, don't have that, don't have that, I <laughs> uh, don't have that. I know people who have that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I felt the same way. I think it's important when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Ghost, I feel that our Father in Heaven has deliberately given some of us these gifts and some of us not these gifts. And I think his purpose in that is so that we will work together, so that we may combine our gifts that he's given us to further his work and to better us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, it's a reminder that we need each other. You know, in verse 17, he goes on to say, and all these gifts come by the Spirit of Christ, and they come unto every man severally, according as he will. And I would exhort you, my beloved brethren, that you remember that every good gift cometh of Christ. If you're like John and I, and you look at Elder Ashton's list, and you think, oh, I know somebody who's got that gift. I know somebody who's got that gift. If you're not seeing these gifts in yourself, then you have the opportunity and privilege to go to the Lord and have him help you to see the gifts that you have. Because remember, verse 17 says, they come unto every man severally. The Lord has given you spiritual gifts. And if you don't see them yet, then ask for the Lord's help to see them. You can even ask friends to help you to see them. If it's so easy to see these gifts in others, maybe they can help you see them in yourself because maybe they see them more clearly than you do. That's right. And in the Come Follow Me manual, there's a really good quote from Elder John C. Pingree Jr. to that end. This is from October 2017 General Conference. He says, quote, So how do we come to know our gifts? We can reference our patriarchal blessing, ask those who know us best, and personally identify what we are naturally good at and enjoy. Most important, we can ask God. He knows our gifts since he gave them to us, end quote. And I want to point out one other thing, too. Just because you may look at this list and say, well, I don't have that gift, does that mean you'll never have that gift? If that gift is important to you, don't you think that if you earnestly sought it from our Heavenly Father, he might grant it to you? I think he will. And from the Institute Manual, we have another quote from Elder Gene R. Cook. This is from a BYU devotional, May 29, 1984, where he says, quote, One of the great processes you go through in life is to discover yourself, to find those gifts and capacities God has given you. He has given you great talents, the smallest part of which you have just begun to utilize. Trust the Lord to assist you in unlocking the door to those gifts. Some of us have created imaginary limits in our minds. There is literally a genius locked up inside each of us. Don't ever let anyone convince you otherwise. End quote. Oh, that's very encouraging. I love that. You remember even when we talked about charity before, Moroni tells us, that we need to pray unto the Father with all the energy of heart to be filled with this gift. So, yes, 
These are the gifts that God is so anxious to give us. We pray sometimes for strange things. Sometimes we use the powers of heaven and we pray that God will perform the grand miracle of taking donuts and making them nourish and strengthen our body or become <laughs> good for us to change the molecular structure of junk food to become healthy. Yeah, I imagine God in heaven thinking, uh, okay, that's the miracle you want me to call down, but what about the gift of prophecy? What about the gift of teaching or tongues or healing? Yeah, he's got all these gifts that he really wants to give us. And sometimes we ask for very strange things. So don't be afraid to ask for these gifts. My experience has been these are the ones he is so anxious to bless you with. Well, and I would caution you that in the asking, are you doing so with real intent? Are you doing so with the notion of I want this gift because I want to help my brothers and sisters. If not, you may not receive it. Yeah, here we but are. It will be the wisdom of God. So in the coming verses, 20 through 23, again, we have a talk about that very topic, faith, hope, and charity, and how they're intertwined. In verse 22, he points out, and if you have no hope, you must needs be in despair, and despair cometh because of iniquity. That really stuck out to me this time around. Despair cometh because of iniquity. From the Institute Manual, there's a quote from President Ezra Taft Benson. This is from an Enzyme article in October 1986 called Do Not Despair. He says, quote, In the Book of Mormon, we read that despair cometh because of iniquity. When I do good, I feel good, said Abraham Lincoln. And when I do bad, I feel bad. Sin pulls a man down into despondency and despair. While a man may take some temporary pleasure in sin, the end result is unhappiness. Wickedness never was happiness. Sin creates disharmony with God and is depressing to the spirit. Therefore, a man would do well to examine himself to see that he is in harmony with all of God's laws. Every law kept brings a particular blessing. Every law broken brings a particular blight. Those who are heavy laden with despair should come unto the Lord, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. End quote. That's great guidance. This idea is particularly useful as we take a look at the warning in verse 24. And now I speak unto all the ends of the earth that if the day cometh that the power and gifts of God shall be done away among you, it shall be because of unbelief. And woe be unto the children of men if this be the case. For there shall be none that doeth good among you, no, not one. For if there be one among you that doeth good, he shall work by the power and gifts of God. And woe unto them who shall do these things away and die, for they die in their sins, and they cannot be saved in the kingdom of God. And I speak it according to the words of Christ, and I lie not. It's such an interesting perspective that Moroni explains to us, hey, if you don't see these gifts of God, that's on you. That means you've got a problem. And we can change. We can absolutely change. Going on in verse 27, he tells us, and I exhort you, there again, exhortation, and I exhort you to remember these things. 
For the time speedily cometh that ye shall know that I lie not. For ye shall see me at the bar of God, and the Lord God will say unto you, Did I not declare my words unto you, which were written by this man, like as one crying from the dead, yea, even as one speaking out of the dust? Let's skip to verse 30. And again, I would exhort you that ye would come unto Christ and lay hold upon every good gift and touch not the evil gift, nor the unclean thing. This is Moroni's last admonition, mm-hmm. his last plea to us. And yeah. how powerful to reflect on the notion that if we reject these things or if we say that Moroni lied unto us, that we will be one day standing before the Lord and Moroni and the Lord explaining to us, hey, I sent this man to tell you these things. Why didn't you listen? I also thought it was interesting in this farewell, really from verses 27 through the end, that there's multiple places in here where even though it's Moroni's farewell, he's using words and phrases from the farewells of previous prophets. So like in verse 27, we can see Nephi's voice from 2 Nephi 33, when he says, you shall see me at the bar of God or as one crying from the dust. Also, he hearkens back to his father, Mormon, and Malachi, and Lehi, and Isaiah, and Enos. And then at the very end, we have Jacob's voice when he says that he will meet you before the pleasing bar of the great Jehovah. So this chart can help you to kind of see some of those connections. But it's almost like a curtain call at the end that Moroni's farewell echoes the farewell of so many other prophets that came before in this great work. I just think that's really exciting to get to see. And I love in these last verses how often he emphasizes that we should come unto Christ, and not just using those words, but in other ways as well. As we take a look at the final verses, look for that admonition to come unto Christ. Look for that admonition about the power that the grace of Christ gives us. Take a look at how many times that word grace is used coming up. Let's start in verse 32. Yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in him and deny yourselves of all ungodliness. And if you shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you that by his grace ye may be perfect in Christ. And if by the grace of God ye are perfect in Christ, ye can in no wise deny the power of God. And again, if ye by the grace of God are perfect in Christ and deny not his power, then are ye sanctified in Christ by the grace of God through the shedding of the blood of Christ, which is the covenant of the Father unto the remission of your sins, that ye become holy without spot. There's a wonderful quote. When we look at phrases like being perfected or being perfect, uh, first of all, I think it's great to point out in these verses that it's perfect in Christ. In other words, there is a support system there as part of this. But one of the most wonderful talks from President Russell M. Nelson, back when he was Elder Nelson, in 1995 is a talk called Perfection Pending. We've quoted from it in the show before. He reminds us 
We need not be dismayed if our earnest efforts toward perfection now seem so arduous or difficult and endless. Perfection is pending. It can come in full only after the resurrection and only through the Lord. It awaits all who love him and keep his commandments. I love that idea because even for all that we do, our perfection comes because of the grace of God. Yes. Through Jesus Christ. That's the only way it comes. Yeah. Stop trying to do it on your own. Can't do it. You can't do it. And you'll get discouraged and Satan will love that. We need to be perfect in Christ. We need to connect ourselves as tightly to Jesus Christ as we can. And his grace will be sufficient for us. Just keep doing the best you can. And now let's take a look at the final words of Moroni, verse 34. And now I bid unto all farewell. I soon go to rest in the paradise of God until my spirit and body shall again reunite and I am brought forth triumphant through the air to meet you before the pleasing bar of the great Jehovah, the eternal judge of both quick and dead. Amen. I love that. Yeah, it's really powerful. That's as powerful a testimony as there is in the book, I think. Absolutely. This is someone who has lived out the last 30 years of his life alone. Yeah. All of his friends and family gone. He has every reason to assume that if in his travels he comes across another human being, that other human being is going to want to kill him. This is a powerful, powerful admonition to us. Well, and even if he was able to settle down and have a life someplace beyond the battles and beyond the challenges, I love this testimony that he knows where he's going and he knows about the resurrection. And he testifies of it in such a way that it's just part of all the things that he knows. And I take great confidence in his confidence. And with that, we end the Book of Mormon. There aren't any more chapters? No more chapters. That's the end. Oh, no. Well, maybe we should read it again. Yeah, we should probably do that. As a matter of fact, I think one of the great quotes to wrap up our studies with this year is from President Thomas S. Monson in the April 2017 General Conference. There's a talk called The Power of the Book of Mormon. And he says this, If you are not reading the Book of Mormon each day, please do so. If you will read it prayerfully and with a sincere desire to know the truth, the Holy Ghost will manifest its truth to you. If it is true, and I solemnly testify that it is, then Joseph Smith was a prophet who saw God the Father and his son Jesus Christ. Because the Book of Mormon is true, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the Lord's church on the earth, and the holy priesthood of God has been restored for the benefit and blessing of his children. And on top of President Monson's testimony, I too testify that these things are true. And what a joy it's been to share that with you over the last year. This has been so fun. Maybe we should do it again. Okay, let's do it again. Well, should we go on though? Because we've talked about the Book of Mormon this year. Maybe we should talk about a different book of Scripture next year. Well, we could do the Doctrine and Covenants. 
Ooh, I like the Doctrine and Covenants. <laughs> that sounds good. But before we start the Doctrine and Covenants, we're going to have a special video for those who are interested in the history of early Christianity. How did we get to the New Testament story? And what happened after? What happened between the Church of Jesus Christ and the restoration of the Church of Jesus Christ in these latter days? Some of you might be interested in that story. We will have an episode of that coming up before we start the Doctrine and Covenants. Consider it a Christmas present. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. We'll look forward to doing that and to exploring that with you. And we hope that you will continue to study again and again, as will we, and that you'll share the insights that you discover along the way. And we'll talk to you next lesson. We'll look forward to seeing you then. This podcast is not officially affiliated with The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But we're really big fans. <laughs>